Oh, hi, Lynn. How are you? Good. In just a moment, we will talk to the Fly North guys, Colin Healy and Bradley Rolfe, about their production of Peter and the Starcatcher at the Green Finch Theater at the Old Way Out Club. Around minute 30, we'll talk Cocaine Bear. Around minute 37, Creed 3. Around minute 45, Operation Future. Around minute 47, the SAG Awards. Around minute 49, the Theater Roundup, including To Kill a Mockingbird. Are you ready for some basketball it begins here that's that's how uh bill the pa announcer likes to start off every game because it does it, it begins here the missouri valley conference the winner of that gets an automatic bid to the ncaa division one tournament yes well and uh, and your alma mater is going to be playing there illinois state there are 12 teams this year Four games on Thursday, four games on Friday, two games on Saturday, and the championship is Sunday afternoon on CBS. And Carl will be doing the music. So my colleague, Carl Well, Middleman, No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on a second. I'm doing the music that is not done by the bands. They Most of these basketball teams have, you know, they're Division I schools. They have, they have pep bands, and they do the heavy lifting. I'm only there to fill in the gaps. But you do and it there so are well. a lot of gaps. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for well, saying so. Yes. Well, every year, uh, Illinois State sends me an email asking me to volunteer. And every year I ignore it because I'm very busy with theater. So yeah, you got so much stuff to do. I know. So I'm watching theater instead of rooting for the Redbirds. So uh, we're talking theater today, as we usually do. And we have very exciting news. And I can't wait. To hear about all this from Fly North Theatricals, which is Colin Healy and Bradley Roth. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. So I hear that you are very, very busy, not just with your Theater for All initiative that we're going to talk about with Peter and the Starcatcher, which is sold out, which Carl wants to know, is the whole run sold out? Yes. Or, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Because you had a, you had something on Instagram that said we're ninety percent sold out, and then you had another one that said sold out, and I said, I wonder if that means the whole run is sold out. So, yeah, it, congratulations. It, 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 thank you. Yeah, no, we uh, we we went from seventy to ninety and seventy to ninety percent in like one night, and then ninety to completely sold out in like a few hours. So it it people were people are interested apparently, which is flattering and surprising. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Peter and the Starcatcher is a fantastic. Well, it started out as a book series and then it became a a Broadway award-winning play and it has been here what? Once only? I think it's only yeah, been I think here. There's, I remember the rep did it. I don't I don't know about the tours. I know the rep did it a while back and there's been uh, at least one other community theater I'm aware of that has produced it in recent years. And it was a it was a book uh, partially written by St. Louis native and current resident uh, Ridley Pearson. Yes, and I have read there are there are many books. I think there are five in the series and I read all five of them and it's different. It's the play is a little different than the books because the play is self-contained and the books lead into the other books. So I, I really enjoyed it. I remember I was in New York um, right before the first Broadway um uh, production began and I'm walking down the street and I said, Oh my gosh, they're making a play out of this. 
because there there was always the rumor and then I saw it and it is very it's a very iconic um cover of the book and they they recreated that on the marquee so I I I've been a fan of this for a long time and I'm glad you guys are doing it and I'm glad you guys sold out thank you yeah we're we're really happy to do it too the uh the I'm I'm directing it uh this is Colin for radio people <laughs> The uh, I'm I'm directing it, and the, the the pervading direction that I've given both the adults in the cast and the kids are you know make a child make a child laugh, make an adult cry, and I think that really sums up what the what the experience is. Like it is the one of the funniest shows I've ever seen with some of the most like heartwarming and like I don't want to say soul rending, but like as far as like that that childhood you know yearning. It is, it really, it really gets there in a really profound way. Uh, and, and I don't know if it's just, you know, people with, you know, childhood issues or whatever that, that get affected by it, but it's a, it is, it is, it is something else. It's a, it's a really amazing show. And if you think, you know, Peter Pan, you know, if you think, you know, the Disney Peter Pan, this is more like, um, just like what Guillermo del Toro did with Pinocchio that's more along this lines because there are some myths of the Peter Pan story from the Disney that are incorporated in this, even though it's, it is actually a Disney production because they own the books because they, they publish them. And so, you know, they get their hands in everything, but it's, it's not necessarily the Peter Pan, you know. Absolutely. And this is Bradley here too, to clarify. And, it it is it, they do such a great job. It's so well constructed on top of everything, um, especially you know as a Disney theatrical property. You know I have my own kind of like tangents to go on about like the way they how successfully they adapt from film to stage. And you know from for people who have read the Peter and the Starcatcher books or people who know you know Disney's Peter Pan movie or you know know the stage play of Peter Pan or any other J M Barry lawyer. There is something for everyone in this show. And like you said, it is self-contained. I think it's a very, very successful adaptation for the medium that it's in. Well, the um, what I like about your, you always take a good slant on things like your assassins, how you uh, created a uh, different experience last summer. But I like how you guys are committed to making something that might be familiar uh, fresh. And I'm just sad that it's all sold out because, well, well, I mean, I'm happy it's sold out. But I mean that more people won't be able to, you know, see it. Do you think you might extend it since it's your place? Oh man, unfortunately, probably not because, and, and this is getting getting to a point uh, about what you just said, there are uh, students of ours in this show and kind of, there's two elements to the concept. Number one is the space, you know, like we are committing to uh, the, the fact that this is a, this is a place that's under renovation. You know, we have our occupancy and that's really about it. It's, 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 it, is a, it is a place that is under construction and anybody who knows anything about this show, it's one of those shows that can be done in so many different ways, but it can be maximalism as far as props and set, or it can be pretty much min- like nothing because the story is told via the actors it, 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 in every way, shape or form. They describe everything that's going on. It's very accessible in that way. But number two, uh, we are 
we set the students into this in this way that like the the show is the is the four kids peter molly and the two other orphans that are the, the children in the world of the show and then everybody else in the show is an adult and we flipped that so our four leads the peter molly and the orphans are played by adult actors um dustin petrillo uh tatiana thompson sarah lansberger and jacob schmidt and then the rest of the cast is, is filled out with, um, with our Fly North students, which are all doing an amazing job. Um, those, of, those of you who are familiar with the show might be familiar with the, like Black Stash and Smee, the two like main kind of villain characters. The, like not to single them out uh, student-wise because they're all doing a great job, but like, holy crap, did, did these kids rise to the occasion to, to fill these like huge characters and and you know they 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 really hold their own with the adults on stage and to the point of uh, a possible extension unfortunately you know our students at fly north are so so very talented and so so very busy themselves so we've got i mean one of you know we have students who are in other productions right now and then also colin and i are also you know committed to various other productions that kind of like line up right uh right after that we're just you know helping out some other friends of the community as well. So yeah, Parker's even directing a show he wrote. Yeah. The guy who's playing Black Stash, he's 16 and is already writing and directing. Really, really proud of that kid. That's really cool. Well, yeah. let's tell people let, let's tell people about the Greenfinch because uh it used to be something else. What are you what are you guys doing to the old way out place? Yes, yes. So so Colin and I uh you know just at the end of last year uh, purchased the Old Way Out Club, the building. Um, and this is a separate business entity from Fly North Theatrical, so a separate for-profit entity from the nonprofit. We just both happen to run both of them, and they will obviously interact with each other. Same bird, different business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we, we've been kind of dreaming for a little while about, you know, what would, you know, Fly North having a dedicated performance space or, you know, some, any other kind of like spaces that we can utilize for our education or our performance uh, opportunities outside of the uh, Cranberg Arts Foundation, which we're a, still a resident organization uh, with and plan to kind of continue to grow there. But we're just like, let's just kind of start running around shopping for commercial properties to see what's out there and see what can work for us. And Coincidence by coincidence, you know, we wound up here, started dreaming a little more and figured out, hey, we think we can, you know, run this business, reopen the bar, make it a great place for the community at large. Um, and the bar can pay the mortgage on the building. And then the, you know, venue site can be converted into a nice, eventually specked out uh, black box theater. Uh, that'll be, you know, hopefully a, another gem among all the great performances spaces we have in, in the region. And it's especially because we've seen a few of those smaller performance spaces uh, be lost over the past several years. Um, we're, we're certain that there is not just for us, but other, you know, theaters that, uh, theater companies that we cohort with that we want to make it available to them as well. Well, uh, I'm excited because I'm sure uh, you're going to make it uh, your own but uh, the last time I was there, which I can't <laughs> even remember, it was in really bad shape. And and I look forward to seeing what you guys do with it. What is the dive part of your title? I want to know about so that. The, the bar element is open every night. And it'll be open, you know, five to one at least. 
uh, every night, just like a normal dive bar. And it's, and it's, it's that it's pretty, it's pretty much as simple as we want to run a, a dive bar. And I think that that is, you know, from <laughs> perspective, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the ways that you kind of meet people where, where they are and be, you know, as theater evangelists as we are, that's where uh, people can interface, you know, the normal community. I, I always uh, can interface with theater. I always say that, that, that our theater scene, and I know you know this too, is, uh, you know, St. Louis's biggest, best kept secret. And like, people in Fox Park, people in Benton Park, people in Soulard that are all around us. Like this, this is a spot that they can just hang out and not be theater people. And that's, that's an audience we want. And, and I think that it's such a great way for people to come in and, and you know, interface with St. Louis's biggest, best kept secret. And they can just St. Have Louis, St. Louis yeah. dive bar as seen in uh, cocaine bear. <laughs> is that a thing? I, I know cocaine. Bear yes. is, a thing. is there a yes. St. Louis dive bar in cocaine bear? It says at first it says St. Louis and then the next uh, lower third says St. Louis dive bar. Well, I'm not sure if you know this, but um, cocaine bear takes place at the Great Fish. That is, <laughs> um, actually, that's the that's my alternative fact. For the no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So with the you know with the bar, it's going to be you know a a it's going to just be a dive bar. It's going to be you know we want it to be. Uh, our own vision of a dive bar, which we've talked a lot about what a dive bar means to us. Cause I think there are, there are a lot of dive bars that are, you know, like your strip ball dive bar with, you know, carpeting and smoky and like kind of, you know, scary looking people. And it's like, well, that's, that's not exactly what we want, but like the people who go to those dive bars in the neighborhood strip mall, like it's, it's a comfortable place to be, you know, it's kind of like, it's obviously, you know, things kind of get whatever, wherever they get aesthetically, but the, the dive ethic, is that it's a it's a good place to be you know it's kind of your living room and our living room all in the same and then when there's theater happening in the venue side the bar will be the theater lobby you speak so poetically about that the uh, my so my my family uh is one of these things that i've been kind of wrestling with myself about we didn't intend on getting in the bar business uh, personally we just kind of found this place in the what we oh. did my family, it, it's like you, you hopelessly don't try to become your parents but i i uh, my family's been in the bar industry bar business for like a century um oh my, you know what i had seen things in your previous life that's right yeah the like my mom owned a bar my grandpa owned several my dad owned one my 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 grandpa's siblings uh basically like ran bars all throughout chicago um, for a while and, you know, and for various reasons, they closed or failed or whatever. And then just kind of, yeah, I'm here now. <laughs> and the, for me, like, you know, you, you can't create a dive bar, you know, like it's one of those things, like a, a dive bar at the end of the day is created with time, um, and, uh, attracting a really cool, you know, sub like, you know, cross section of people that come in and, and leave their, leave their own little legacy by, by drinking and putting up a sticker and, you know, doing whatever they need to do in the space. <laughs> With a name like have, Colin Healy, you have to own a bar. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, I'll be the first to do it in St. Louis. My family's from Chicago or South Florida. You know, that's where I grew up in South Florida. My mom owned a bar on the beach there, which was really fun and a cool way to grow up. Um, but, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to get into this business, but now I, I at least now I do. <laughs> so that's, I guess, I guess that's, that's part of growing up. Huh? But theater is still your number one priority. Theater is at the center of all of this because like, you know, theaters rarely are profitable. 
let's just call it, call it yes. like it. And um, having the bar as an addendum to the business um, in, in no small part is what we hope makes this whole operation worth it and, 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 and profitable and, and just, just sustainable, if not profitable, you know what I mean? Sustainable. That's the best. I mean, that's what you're hoping for. Right. In, in theory, you know, as it's going to, and, you know, as now business owners, as the bar is successful, that will subsidize our own personal time to give to the theatrical world, as well as subsidizing, you know, the build out of the theatrical space to make it a really great place to work and put up a show and see a show. One of the visions see. we have, one of the visions we have for the theater at Greenfinch Theater and Dive is that, you know, people aren't going to say, oh, I'm going to see a show by X theater company or this theater company. They're saying, I'm going to see a show at Greenfinch. And they know that anytime there's a poster in our window, there's a show there. Like, I know there's going to be a good show at Greenfinch. Um, and then we can help propagate the theater community uh, and scene that way amongst the, those who are, you know, maybe not so keyed into all the, you know, all the little theater companies that are producing all around. Right. And the goal is that like, you know, it, whatever show is happening, it will, you know, hold its own with any show in town. And the well, thing that makes us maybe a little different is that it, you have somebody sitting at the bar, you have some people who walked in in their shorts and sandals and they're drinking a stag and they, <laughs> they see that a show is going on and maybe they are like, you know what? I was going to be here for. So Bradley and Colin, you opened productions before but this is the first time you're opening up a venue and a production at the same time do you think having opened productions before prepared you to open up a venue at the same time i don't know but at the same time but <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, build, what, building, what, a, building a venue you got to build stuff to last <laughs> it can't just be a set <laughs> yeah and one of the one of the uh the nice things about, um, you know, turning at least turning an empty room into a venue while opening a show at the same time is, you know, tech kind of begins whenever you want to. Um, so we got a little bit of a head start on some technical elements. Uh, we kind of kind of do those at the same time. Yeah, we got into we got into our own place two days early, which was, you know, that's unheard of otherwise. <laughs> yeah, the turn you did you you're responsible for your own turnover, right? But yeah, well, it is. Uh, tell us about, okay, so when for sure are the upcoming dates, like when do you officially open Green Finch? Gotcha. So Peter and the Starcatcher opens March 3rd. It's sold out, but you know, that's as is in the space. We're still in renovation. The bar, so that's the, op the other side of the place, if you're familiar with the Way Out Club, is going to open in May. And we'll probably have some theatrical programming within the bar, you know, some, some fun, some fun stuff going on in there. Uh, but it's a bar open every night, five to one and noon to one on the weekends. Uh, the, and then the theater we want to open in fall, at least in its first form, I'm sure we will open the theater many different times when we get new toys and have to install them. But the, the first it's in its first form, as a big empty rectangle with some some good quality stuff in there uh, in the fall. Right. We, yeah. yeah. So like right right now, like I said, we're doing this ad hoc in the space as is the first iteration of the theater that we want to see is going to require major construction. There are four columns in there that are load bearing that were, you know, we've talked to some structural engineers. 
We're going to span those columns, get those columns removed. There's the old stage that was built up for the rock and roll bands. We're going to get that removed. And so that first step is just like turning the room into an open rectangle. Um, we'll extend a little wall here um, and then, you know, put in a nice wood floor for the black box um, instead of the tile. And that'll be kind of like the first setup of it. It's just like, hey, it's an empty black box. Uh, but then there's, you know, technology we want. Eventually, um, we're going to be putting up a full grid in there. Uh, eventually, we're going to have an isolated orchestra pit in the basement so that for musical theater, you gain the benefit of one, not having to compete for space on stage with the black box theater or with seating. And two, um, as we all know from every, every arts venue, every theater has its own challenges. One of the challenges in this town for musical theater is getting a good sound balance. If we have a room that's underneath the floor that has microphones and everything's piped up upstairs, we're gonna have a lot better control over body mics and the orchestra pit to really make a clean, clear, balanced sound for our musical theater productions. Yeah, well, Lynn, Lynn, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. And if you 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 are obviously listening, but if like Sarah Fensky and, and all you all you other all, all you other uh, reviewers have are listening, we listen to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We, we bought a whole space to listen to you, okay? <laughs> well, that, that was one of the things about the Way Out Club. If the band sucked, you could hide behind one of those columns and it blocked a lot of the sound. You don't want that. No, well, we don't want columns in the room for sure. Like that is a- We've worked in plenty of spaces with columns. Uh, yeah, it's a, it, they're always the challenge. In this case, you know, we're embracing them. Like for Peter and the Starcatcher, they're there and the stage is still there, but we're using the- uh, the columns as the masts of the pirate ship and as the, hey, as the, as the, as the palm trees, trees on, the, on the island. Yeah. So it's like, it, it works out for this production, but not every, not every uh, show on earth, you know, is a pirate ship in act one and a tree, an island with trees in act two. So, <laughs> so uh, your theater for all initiative, uh, explain that a little bit and how you can still support it, even though you can't get a ticket to Peter. So the Theater for All initiative is uh, a, a program of ours. It's sort of a manifestation out of our um, dedication to make the theater more financially accessible to the community. Um, and it does a few things. Uh, most notably, it offers scholarships for private lessons in voice, dance, and acting to uh, kids to all, the, all throughout their high school career. Um, and we have a few students on that right now, including some that are in the show. The, uh, the other thing it does is we have been able to, through partner organizations, uh, give away 10% of our tickets for other shows, not including this one, that like are, are regular priced uh, for free to the community to make sure that there is a, at least a pool of tickets that are um, accessible to anybody, um, at least through the partner organizations. It's imperfect, but you know that's the, that's the way we've done it so far. And uh, thirdly, it puts on this show, which is... Uh, completely available for free or pay if you want to the community and all the pay if you want tickets go back into funding it. Uh, if you are coming to the show, uh, there's a couple of different ways you can, you can, you know, give to the thing. We're having some raffles. We're giving away some Cardinals tickets. We're giving away a swag bag. We're doing some 50-50 raffles. There's going to be concessions available at um, the, the bar in not, not the way out bar that's still under construction. We have a mini bar in our, in the theater that you can come up and get stuff and all that money's going right back into the, into the organization. Um, if you haven't, if you couldn't get a ticket, sorry, <laughs> it was, it's a, it's, it's a short run in a small venue, but the, um, 
you can go online to flynortheatricals.com and click the theater for all tab to read more about you know our musings on the whole on the whole thing and you can and you can give to the to the program we're trying to raise fifteen thousand dollars during this this production to to help kind of keep us chugging along with uh with the theater for all initiative it's it's uh, something that's really really truly close to our hearts and it's really been great to see uh the kids involved in the initiative or not like this has been really it's been really cool to see the kids um flourish under under this under this whole thing and one of the things that the theater for all initiative particularly our theater for all show um you know this show in our programming does for accessibility not only financially uh but you know giving students the opportunity to perform in a professional setting alongside you know professional working actors is you know a totally different intangible value as opposed to all the other great opportunities that youth performers might have for their school or other youth performance organizations. So that's one thing that we're we're really proud of in the way this works out. Um, and and they and they don't and they don't have to pay any performance fees to be in this right. like a like a children's theater typically would. Right. So this is this is you know available for free to the kids. Uh, they tried out and they got in. That's you know it's just they their process is as close to a normal professional process as I think you can get uh, being a child. Yeah. And, and to the point of, you know, being sold out, it's we're Kyle and I are constantly humbled by the excitement that we're met with every time we work on something in the community. Um, if you are really, really excited about seeing this show and didn't get a ticket, I'm going to make an executive decision. Okay. If you write that five figure check for our uh, funding, <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will make space for you in the lighting booth that yeah, you can see we, right next well, to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the, the money helps, um, you know, get us toward get us toward making this whole thing better i mean like you know the fact that the so so the, the fact that the show is sold out uh the irony is not lost on me that's like fundamentally not accessible right like we're literally telling people that they can't come to the show so funding this organization does help that <laughs> it helps us you know have a have a longer run it helps us you know build out the venue quicker and have more seating and have more availability for for this show and have more resources for our for our kids and professionals to to latch on to and create a great production well it's inspiring and i wish you well and congratulations on your theater circle award nominations and i'm sure i'll see you april 3rd yes. and also um are you doing caroline or change for your next production Yes, so we open uh, in late July. We'll be we'll be posting uh, more about that later. But yeah, it's it's happening. <laughs> yep, and that'll be at the Marcel Theater. Yes, that'll be in the in Grand Center Arts District, um, late July through through mid August. Well, well to I'm find out more about the bar, you can go to greenfinchstl.com. Yeah, and follow us on on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Por favor. Are you doing TikTok updates on the renovations? Uh, we will be. I, I, we, we've been, we've TikToks are hard to make. <laughs> I've been, I've been doing them on the Fly North account to, to some success sometimes. Um, the, you know, and the Green Greenfinch. We, we get here at seven a.m. a lot of times, and we, you know, don't leave till late. And it's just like, oh, you know, we've been working. We didn't have time for social media. We need some like Gen Zer to follow us around and just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I really applaud your enthusiasm and also your um your um oh um your uh initiative because it's great. Nobody's 
really doing what you guys are doing. So I think you have a nice little niche and continue to grow. Congratulations. Thanks, Thank guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, vote Bradley for uh, for best director. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. Go drill something. Yeah. We're going to program our lights for act two. <laughs> well, this is, this has been such a, 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 a technology uh, thing. I just, uh, my computer just came back on and said files from unknown sources may be at risk. Uh, <laughs> so anyway no best of luck i wish you well um i turned in my ballot i can't say but but, but she's very proud of you hey, we thanks it. yeah no we we, uh, and we I, appreciate having you as a friend and and yeah that's a it's been it's always a pleasure an, hey thanks so much for your time and carl and i are now going to talk about we're going to the yin and the yang we're going to talk about cocaine bear Okay, I gotta go see it. I, 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 they're showing it on the draft house, especially if it doesn't. Yes, take place that's that's where I saw it. I oh, saw amazing. it at Alamo Draft House. Yes, does it take place? Does the whole thing take place in St. Louis? No, it starts in St. Louis. Uh, Ray Liotta's character is in St. Louis, and then uh, it goes to the mountains of Tennessee or Georgia, or I mean, they filmed it in either Vancouver or Australia. It's really hard to tell. Gotcha. I was going to say it would add to the, um, doesn't the Revenant take place in Missouri? No, it doesn't not. I don't I think so. Maybe it's the- maybe, maybe there's a portion of it. Cause aren't they like trade traders or. Yeah. I think like, some traveling somewhere. I thought part of it was in Missouri and I was like, okay, well, but yeah, add to the tradition of, of horrifying bears in Missouri. But <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, no, uh, uh, we, we get the we get the uh, notoriety of being the 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 Pablo Escobar's local drug pin, Ray Liotta. This is where he lives. I was hoping it was the bear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, fun fact, I got a press release yesterday. Ripley's, believe it or not, is trying to get the bear for their museum because it's currently at a Kentucky museum. Yes, it's and it, it is not owned by Waylon Jennings. As Shooter Jennings came out and said, that is 100% an old wives tale, urban myth. It is not true. So someone needs to go change Wikipedia. Oh my God, I, there's so many little facts about this movie that I need to, about this real thing that I need to see. Yeah. Oh yeah, the only real thing of <laughs> Cocaine Bear are the first five minutes. Okay. Of cocaine bear. And then everything else is wild speculation. There are double digits. Uh, a lot of dismembered limbs. So, yes, I, I was describing. Uh, see, here's here are a lot of things that people don't care for in movies. Uh, children in peril. And uh, dismembered limbs. Those are both pe- featured prominently in this film. Well, so, same with Peter and the Star Catcher. <laughs> so, yes, that's true. That's true. And with that, we're going to go do a show. So, see you guys later. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck. I mean, break a leg. Break thank a leg. Bye. Bye. So, Bye. yes, Lynn, breaking legs is uh, that's actually part of the movie, too. Was it everything I described to you? 
It was. Um, I preferred. Uh, I know the whole point is gore, a uh, gory violence with humor, but I didn't think it was that funny. It was. It's funny. It's funny enough that you can look away at the parts you won't like, and if you like that gory kind of stuff, there is enough of it that it that makes you uncomfortable, and you'll enjoy. Very the uncomfortable. Double digit deaths, very gory. And like some things are just humor of situation, like the the tweens not knowing what to do with cocaine. That is that's funny, but it's not it's not like jokes. It's this humor of the situation. And uh, Carrie Russell is fantastic as their mom or one of their mothers. One and, of that's the Brooklyn, and that's Brooklyn and, Prince from uh, the Florida Project. Florida Project. It's She's got grown a good up. cast. Alden Ironrick. Han Solo. Uh, has, hasn't been in anything for a long time. And he's back. And then. Wasn't he? O'Shea, was he, Was the Coen brothers? That was before. The, yeah. That was um, before he, Solo. So he hasn't Hale, really done Hale anything. Caesar ha- was a long time ago. That was before solo and then after right. solo he kind of went away right and then uh so he's back O'Shea and, Jackson Jr. and O'Shea Jackson Jr. who's Ice Cube's son he's actually pretty funny the the um Isaiah Whitlock does yeah, say shit but he doesn't do he doesn't do it like he did in the wire or into five bloods he's he's actually playing a police officer from St. Louis, yes, who has a, who has a froof, floofy or fluffy Doggy. dog, and as well, I guess he cute. did that. He he was a police officer on the wire as well, but but anyway, he's he is playing. He's he's a solid actor in this too. I think it was, I, it is a it is everything you imagined Cocaine Bear would be. Right, Elizabeth Banks directed it. Uh, I think that. Uh, I thought Margot Martindale was the wrong choice for the park ranger, especially her crush on the game warden played Jesse by Jesse Tyler, Tyler Ferguson. Ferguson. Now, I didn't recognize him at first. That wig yeah, he makes has him a look terrible great. Wig, terrible wig and even worse accent. Yeah. And but- so, and then Matthew Reese is Carrie Russell's husband in real life. Um, He's only in it for the first. He's he's the truthful bit. Yeah, he's the drug smuggler. And who uh, he's based on a real who was a real person and has yeah, has his own Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. He was found. Uh, his name is Andrew Thornton, and he was found in a driveway in Knoxville, Tennessee, wearing Gucci loafers. Yeah, he he was a he worked for the DEA or but was also a drug dealer. It was, I, I don't know. It, it's a convoluted story. And even though the first five minutes are true, that part is speculation. Also, he did, he, his shoot did not open when he uh, jumped out of the plane, but they make that part funny too. Right. So, so uh, this week we have Creed three, which yeah. okay. I did. So you see. hold on. That means you're done with Cocaine Bear. You've had enough yeah. of Cocaine Bear. Okay, fine. Creed three. Now is Sly in it or not? No, and it's a disappointment. 
Do they mention they him? No, room for him? No. They don't they, even mention him? I don't him? know why. No. I don't know why they cut him out. Wait, but he, wa- he was in it and they cut him out or they just... No, no, they just didn't use him. And he, he talked to Hollywood Reporter all about being left out and he's not a happy camper. Because, well, he was doing Tulsa King probably at the same time. Well, he is the heart and soul of this Rocky Creed franchise. He was the glue and the anchor to me in Creed 2. And now Creed 3, which who is uh, Michael B. Jordan, Adonis Creed, has directed this one. It's a lot of action, a lot of boxing action, fast-paced uh, as in all the Rocky Creed family of films, the family legacy story thread is a big deal. Uh, uh, Adonis has to face his past. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Majors, Majors. They were in a group home together and uh, they get involved in a crime situation and Dame, who is uh, Jonathan Major's character, uh, pulls a gun, gets 18 years in prison because he had priors, and he gets out. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He goes after, he wants what Adonis has, and he becomes a heavyweight contender. It's very contrived. It's Because as soon as you get out of prison, very you, know, formula. You, 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 just, you just become the number one, uh, you know, yeah contender it's very contrived it's very formulaic it's very predictable the Rash- uh, felicia rashad plot line you know everything that's going to happen it's telegraph is, is tessa in it yes Tessa's very good as usual they have a darling little daughter who is deaf and michael b jordan does flawless well i do i do language. like that they've kept that through line yes. because it's not like yes. they've abandoned it's i mean even though they're abandoning the rocky story they're still keeping the things in from creed and creed 2 right which i do like i like that they show a family that's got seemingly everything struggling with real life issues um so it's fast paced uh ryan kugler only is credited with a storyline and a producer stallone is credited as a producer um, so he's but he's written, making money off of it, but still would have liked to have been in it. Do you think he would have liked to have been in it? Would, is there room for him in this? Probably. Well, yeah, he could have helped with the with the fight because Adonis is retired, but he gets back in it. They keep pulling him back in. So could so, he could he have been yeah. in a training montage or anything like that? Yeah. A, a glorified yeah. cameo. He could have been in it. Yeah, because Wood Harris plays Little Duke, the owner of the training facility and um so yeah they could have fit him in and and uh so it becomes this mono imano with uh jonathan majors and uh michael b jordan and jonathan majors is very electric in this his star is rising kang the conqueror and the latest ant-man and we've been paying attention to him for a long time and he's now, uh, you know, one to watch. So he's good in it, but it's just very predictable. You can, you know, every single beat that's going to happen. Uh, the music is good. 
uh, you don't hear the, or I never heard the Rocky thing, but I think Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan did a competent thing and it benefits greatly from uh, Jonathan Majors. They do have the, the Victor Drago, the, the Romanian boxer, Florian Montanu. I think that's his name. He's in it. Yeah. He's in it very briefly. But they couldn't they couldn't get Stallone in it, but they could get the <laughs> villain from the previous movie that no one liked. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's a jerk in this kind of. So, yeah, it's uh, it's the the screenplay is written by Kugler's brother Keenan Kugler, and by Rick. Ba- uh, Balin, I think his name is. He wrote King Richard. Oh, okay. Or I liked I, I liked parts of King Richard. Well, I did too. So it's okay, but you know, it's just um, is it tired? Is is people um, are people going to flock to this again, or are they tired? I think the story's played out actually. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cocaine Bear was the number one movie again this weekend. Yeah, it might be because word of mouth has grown, and it almost eclipsed Marvel. Which is crazy. It did. It beat it. It beat Ant Man last weekend, didn't it? No, close. Oh, it was Ant-Man close. Ant Man was still number one, and Cocaine Bear number two. But uh, Ant Man had a sixty nine percent drop from the from the last week, and and that's that's the biggest drop for a Marvel movie. Yes. So this has got problems. I haven't seen it like you did. So I can't say, but uh, this weekend we'll see Creed three. I don't know. Are we tired of there's I know there's Marvel fatigue, but are we having Rocky fatigue, especially without Rocky? So hmm, we Um, shall see. What else did you uh, see, Lynn? um, uh, That is uh, for right now for what's happening, because we were not given access to What's the Guy Ritchie movie? Oh, yeah. They didn't show that to us. Yeah. It's Fortune. Yeah. It's a it's a spy thriller. Oh, really? The Guy Ritchie <laughs> spy thriller. But actually, it's gotten mixed reviews. Some people say it's really good. And some people say it's awful. So, but it's got Hugh Grant, Jason, Jason Statham, Statham, and Aubrey Plaza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know yeah so it's from stx they usually never show us their movies no so that's why i think why we didn't get it but we got the gentleman but we didn't get that wrath of man remember that right but operation fortune is out this weekend and i would be curious because i like guy Ritchie, and i think you know i yeah i wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing it i wouldn't mind seeing it I like a good spy thriller. Um, we are um, the SAG Awards were Sunday night on Netflix's YouTube channel. So it's still available for streaming. You can go and uh, everything, everywhere, all at once swept the awards and yes, won three acting categories. And so we shall see if that's going to happen. Well, I still think Angela Bassett will win for Best Supporting. I'm sorry that 
Jamie Lee Curtis will not win, but I think Angela Bassett actually gives a better performance than Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And I but think- Jamie Lee Curtis is still great in that movie, and the movie is great. I I do hope it is a precursor for Michelle Yeoh. Rather I than do Kate too. Blanchett. I do too. I do too. And then Kiwan, uh, Kiwan, uh, short, short round. And he gave a great speech. Uh, both he and Michelle Yeoh, first Asian uh, actors to win SAG Awards. Think about that. Mm-hmm. And then James Howe gave a really good, interesting, off the cuff speech when they won for the ensemble. Uh, but I do think Angela Bassett's probably going to win. Uh, I I think that was. Uh, and she know, deserves to win. She does deserve to win. She hadn't been that strong in years. And you notice it right away when she's at that table with the world leaders. You're like, OK, she is. She great. is the strongest thing in that movie that does. That movie has problems, but she's the strong one of the stronger things in it. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it is streaming on Disney. No, just like the Mandalorian season three. I know you're uh, you're ready. I'm going to go home and watch the first two episodes right after we're finished here. So, Lynn, uh, tell me, let's do a little theater roundup here. How was To Kill a Mockingbird? It's fabulous. Um, I was worried because, you know, I did see it on Broadway. So I was worried how it was going to translate on the national tour because sometimes it's not as good. Uh, with if they do some like little cost cutting measures or or just switch it because they've got to go from city to city. It's at the Fox through March 12th. Highly recommend it. It's two hours, 35 minutes. You are riveted the whole time. The the Fox was packed. You could people hung on to every word. And at the end, People, it was a very robust standing ovation that started immediately and was very long. And because St. Louis fans are known for leaving and they were not leaving. People stood up and applauded and applauded and applauded, which I was really happy to see the reaction. Richard Thomas is excellent as Atticus Finch. Uh, Scout is Melanie Moore. I'd never heard of her, but apparently she's a dancer. Uh, there's seven people from the Broadway cast in this show, and including my friend Jeff Still, who uh, is a veteran of Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago and played Bill in the national tour of August Osage County. And if you saw it at the Fox in 2010, he was there. And so now he's returned to the Fox. He is playing Link D's. It's very good. Anyway, it's a solid cast. Well, there's um, also a very another very important person in the To Kill a Mockingbird lore playing Mrs. DuBose. Mary Badham, who was the original scout, is in this. She's 70 years old now and, of course, not playing the child. She's playing the old racist lady. I know. Isn't that isn't that wonderful? <laughs> it is. So, and. She had retired from acting until she was asked to do this. I know. And so it's very good. The the woman playing Calpurnia is fabulous. Tom Robinson, just hard to, it's so moving. It's such a moving production. People don't realize, I was telling this people last night, the character Dill 
is based on Truman Capote because yeah. Harper Lee, whose real name is Nell Harper Lee, and he called her Nell, they were childhood friends. And so Dill's can, such an idiot. Oh, I love the character Dill. And oh you can, no, in the book, Dill's an idiot. But on stage, he's he's just uh he tugs at your heartstrings. They they do, but it's it's just a wonderful production. Bartlett Sure, who has had nine Tony nominations and he won for South Pacific. He has a fresh spin. He keeps everything moving. Uh, his South Pacific in 2008 took on more of a, a racist exploration mm -hmm. uh, that hadn't been done before with South Pacific. This one combines the childhood innocence with the racial injustice and uh Aaron Sorkin this is a new play but it's based on Harper Lee's novel but what Aaron Sorkin does with this is it's like the kids are older and so they look back but they're like the Greek chorus yeah. in this and it's so well done and looking back because it's set in 1934 during the depression but it the book didn't come out till 1960 and for this book this story to be so powerful and even maybe more relevant today is really um amazing i think and i don't use that amazing word very often but this is a brilliant production and i look forward to hearing what you have to say about it i'm gonna see it on Sunday night after the uh, Missouri Valley Conference championship basketball game. Uh, Melanie Moore plays scout and she is the winner of the eighth season of So You Think You Can Dance. And uh, Calpurnia is Jacqueline Williams. That's right. I need to remember her name. Uh, I'm going to be on KTRS talking about it with Jennifer and Wendy. As soon as we uh, finish today, um, the Black Rep extended their play called The Light. It's a two-hander with Eric J. Connors and Alicia Reve-like, and they're they're exceptional in this. Uh, they oh, so the Black Rep extended it one more week through Sunday, March fifth. It's worth your time. It's so powerful, and it's by a Chicago playwright. And um, I will, I don't want to spoil it, but nine the musical nine yes based on fellini mm -hmm. uh that starts at new line theater this friday or this thursday but i go friday so we have a whole roundup <laughs> of uh, film i want to say that uh, we have some we're doing the tail end of the oscars some of the oscar nominees are now getting released the quiet girl is a film from Ireland. It's nominated for Best International Feature. I started watching it. I haven't finished it. It opens at Frontenac, March 10th. It's wonderful, Carl. It's in your neon package. Ah. I think you would really like it. And I just found out from HBO, because they just gave us access to the documentary, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Yes. Which is Nan Golden's take on big pharma um and i have been touting you've this. been mentioning this for many 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 weeks now 
Right. And now it's going to be uh, on HBO starting uh, March 19th, I believe. Okay. Or well, Lynn, gonna, you, yeah. you just announced that you're going to be on with Jennifer and Wendy. Uh, where are you normally on the radio? I'm on with Jennifer and Wendy on Friday uh, mornings uh, with movie reviews. Miller Furniture presents and then Ben House goes to the movies. And then I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And uh, I have several features coming up about the arts community in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And I'm in uh, not for entertainment. I'm in news in Belleville News Democrat. And I write food articles for the St. Louis Magazine. Well, then. Uh, yes, you can hear where me. are you, Carl? You can hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show, 5 a.m. till 9 a.m. On the weekends, you can hear me on Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on 97.1 and on KMOX. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. That's a lot. And, yes, and we have uh, my website, poplifestl.com. We have the new uh, announcement of the Super Awards, uh, yeah. the nominations for Critics' Choice Association. Yes, that's happening. Yes, right. well, Carl, go. I'm going to go watch. Go ISU and uh, hope you enjoy your whole arch madness. It's going to be madness. All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. <laughs>